Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing to help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. Let's just peruse this here. So I'm I'm looking at the standings right now on MLB.com slash standings. Mm-hmm. I've got Tampa Bay first in the AL East. I've got the Chicago White Sox. <clears throat> the Chicago White Sox is first in the AL well, Central. Technically, I believe they're tied with the Indians, but yeah. That, well, they're in MLB.com slash standings. <laughs> they are number one. Okay. AL West, Oakland is number one. In the NL East, we've got Atlanta, number one. NL Central, we have the Chicago Cubs, number one. NL West, we have the um, Los Angeles Dodgers. The AL basically doesn't have anyone counted out yet of the playoffs. I mean, there are teams that Except are... for Boston. That, no, not, not even Boston. ESPN gives... I was switched to the ESPN view. Gives the LA Angels a lower chance than Boston. But even Boston, oh, okay. even Boston, eight percent still, and the, the Angels are just hilarious, right? Because they're still spending. This should have been a year that they could have done something. They have the best player in baseball, and they are yet again going to miss the playoffs. Yeah, yep. Best player in baseball, playing pretty well too. Justin Upton has been atrocious. Uh, really needs those fans. It's always going to happen, but yeah. Really needs those fans. Justin Upton is completely fan powered. I'll accept that. But yeah, I mean, sure. it's yeah. it's kind of it's kind of sad. It's kind of sad uh, to see. I I'm sad for the for the Angels. That's a team that I would like to. You know, this is an expanded playoff year, so this is probably their best shot at making the playoffs, and just nothing. Nothing. Absolutely. Nothing. I don't feel bad for yeah. the I don't feel okay. bad for the Pirates, right? Because that was that was known that that wasn't going to happen. So what what team would yeah, so we've got um, in second. So we were talking about San Diego is pretty close. They're, they're, I would, traditionally, they would be the wild card team in the NL. In the NL, it's, it, this is ridiculous. They're, no one's really out there either because, like, St. Louis is second in their division at twelve and thirteen. Yep, that is so many fewer games. It's nine fewer games in Chicago. I know, I know. It's the right. It's the difference in games played that make this that make things so wonky this year. Like, is it is it even possible for them to make up all those games? I think that they're gonna be. I think that they're gonna end the season, and there are gonna be some teams that have played fewer games. That's a good prediction. I. I also think that's going to happen. I guess my corollary is that I think that there's... Over under 0.5 teams that have played... Here, this is going to be a lot of numbers. Over under 0.5 teams that have played fewer than... um, Total, we're trying to get to 60? 55 games. I think... Which would be six games. I mean, 55 is, be, yeah, I think, I was going to say 10% of the games, I think, would be the place where people would draw the line in the sand right. and be like, no, no, you you got to play those games. <laughs> All right, so 
five games over under. Well, it's zero point five teams with. Um, I I think have played fewer than fifty six games. I think over. Say that way. Over. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it would I be. I mean, this this deal would be over if it was the like the Pirates, for instance, who were way down on games. <laughs> Because yep. you just be like, oh, yeah. oh, who cares? No, You're not playing. But it's not it's well, not yeah, like even, it's not the pirates oh. who are down on games. But even like Los Angeles or Boston, if they were if they were just like there's a COVID outbreak, MLB would be like, okay, cool. Not gonna make up those games. All right. Well let's talk a little bit of uh trade deadline. Given Yeah um Is there given that there could be some players on the move. Well, I would say do you, okay. Do you think that the biggest trades are ahead or behind us? What what is, can do you have the trades behind you? Um there okay, well there are not that many big ones. I mean, I think I think Mitch Moreland is a legitimate is like a legitimate one. <laughs> legitimate but not legitimate but not yeah. huge. I guess I guess I would select Mitch Moreland who is having a very good statistical year as like the benchmark. Okay. Where? Oh, transaction tracker. Ooh, transaction tracker is really something. No, I want, I'm trying to just see it. Okay. Anyways, I think that there's going to be at least one trade that's more than that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, like like Lance Lynn moving would obviously be significantly more important than that. But I mean, Lance Lynn in a normal year is not a big piece to move. <laughs> Well, well, you say that, but there's the um, not Lance. You can't see focus on Lance Lynn himself, but that pitcher, the pitcher, has done really, really well up to this point and has a track record of being an above average pitcher. It's every year there's some guy like that who gets traded and then either is spectacular down the uh, down the stretch or is a dud. You know, sure. You, you can't think about it as Lance Lynn. You can't okay. think about okay. it as like. Like there's your Eric Bedard was the guy who was like, oh my gosh, he's there. The Seattle Eric Bedard. No. Well, what what did you think about what did you think about workmen getting traded? I mean, because like the closer archetype getting traded is also a a thing. Also, right. Right. This year just happens to be workmen I, who got traded. Workman was the above average, not great closer who got moved to a team to be in the bullpen. Yes. Um. Kind of sucks. The, Red Sox don't have anyone, but <laughs> I don't think that he's going to move the needles at all. I mean, yeah, I think that I think that Lynn is the most likely guy to get get moved. Okay, but I see, like, I'm looking at CBS has an article. We've got players listed: Joey Gallo, Josh Hader. Well, Hader would be. I mean, Hader would be a huge Archie move. Bradley. Yeah. Archie Archie Bradley, would you uh, would that be a big move? Uh, uh, I would say that the Bradley move is bigger than Moreland. Yeah. Um, Mike Clevenger is listed, but who I cares? That I mean, they, what do you mean? Who cares? I can't imagine that somebody's going to pick Mike Clevenger. That they, they're going to trade for him. He has has been pitching. <laughs> Dude hasn't been pitching. Really? Well, he hasn't been pitching because he violated COVID rules, not because he. Um, was hurt sure sure but or even had COVID. sure sure but it but i mean there's always something to be said for i mean i was complaining about this a little bit before we got on air which was like paul de young had covid 
I mean, was out for COVID. Wasn't re- wasn't necessarily symptomatic, and he comes back, and he's just not in stride. Like that's a thing yeah. that happens. Like I wouldn't trade for Mike Clevenger because he hasn't been like actually in the baseball grind. Oh my god, I would totally trade oh. for him. I don't think that he would. I would I would have him for next year. Um, it's not all about this year, you know. Yeah, so I would say there's going to be someone who's going to be big who's moved, but I probably someone that we haven't even listed. I suspect that's true. Okay, Mike Clevenger's on a one-year contract, so maybe, so he probably will get moved then. If this was 2019, the Tommy Listella move would have been the biggest one, right? <laughs> I was thinking that, too. I was also thinking that. Every year, but that's the same. It's like every year there's the Lance Lynn guy who gets moved, and then there's a the Tommy Listella guy that doesn't get moved, right. which is so funny because it's like a pitcher is out-pitching what you expect. Move him. If a, if a batter is, keep him. You want to talk quickly about the NBA playoffs? I assume that you just want to keep bringing this up because the Celtics stock keeps rising. <laughs> I do like that, um, though. Who knows how long? What do you um, mean? Who knows how long? Are you just? This is just you reverse jinxing it right now. I'm not. Re- I'm being realistic. I don't think that the um, what what is it? The route. Of the Raptors, I was, was going to say in, blowout. Game yeah, one. either one doesn't really feel. It feels like the Raptors are going to come back next game and just throttle the Celtics because they Celtics played the same decent game that they played against the Seventy Sixers. Raptors just didn't show up. They they showed up more than like Embiid, you know, carrying his carcass across the court sure. in the second half every game, but. They just, shots weren't falling. They made a couple dumb mistakes. They weren't getting every second chance bucket, you know. Yeah, but why? But I think what, they're going to come back. It's going to be serious. Why are the Raptors going to beat the Celtics? <laughs> like, in a, in a series, why are the Raptors going to beat the Celtics? Serge and Gasol. I don't think that's think enough. That's, that's, well, no, I think that those are the, that's a difference. I think that's the difference is like, um, I think that that's, that's a big difference because the guards kind of, the guards actually go in the Raptors favor like a little bit. Um, the sum, the, the swing, um, swing guys go in the Celtic favor with Brown and Tatum, but Siakam is not. You know, not nobody, and then, um, but then the front front court, they're just so much better, and I think that 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 is where, um, if the other two kind of end up being a net neutral, then you have the front court, which is so much, so much better. If Gasol and Serge like realize that, <laughs> I I just I think that because there isn't a dominant force on either team that. The coaching is so important, and right. the Celtics are gonna. Nick Nurse is a better coach, but not by that much than uh, Brad. <sighs> That's unbelievable. Okay, this this is now I've just let you devolve into reverse jinxing it. It's fine, whatever. <laughs> um, any other game that you're kind of interested in? So we've got Miami, Milwaukee starting here. I soon. don't care Here's, about that uh, at all. <laughs> Who do you got? 
you're not going to pick the team that has Butler on it. So you're going to take Milwaukee. Um, obviously, I'm going to. Yeah, <laughs> yes, obviously, I'm going to pick Milwaukee. I think Miami's going to win it. Unbelievable. I think that they're going to. I think that they're going to beat Milwaukee. Unbelievable. No <laughs> way. Yeah, team looks. I just they look pretty darn good. No way. I think. I mean. I guess I would take the people that have already won their series as well. Like, I the Clippers and the Lakers, I think, are way more sure things than than the Rockets, who are, are probably going to win that series, and the Jazz. Or Denver. I mean, I, oh my gosh, if, if Denver comes back, I kind of like them. Um, I think that so far the right teams have gone on from the first round, of course. And no matter what happens in the Denver, Utah, and Houston OKC series, like it doesn't matter, right? Because we think that those two teams are going to lose because they're going to be exhausted. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think that I think that whatever happens in the bubble is going to be deemed pretty legit. Okay, I think that you should set up some over unders for us for the rest of the season. I think so. So I I went through some, um, given where we were at the, at the season, trade deadline, I felt like it was a good point for us to have get just an, enough stats to really like see some trends coming together. And so I, I was looking at the hitting, hitting stats. I went through and said, okay, five categories. Let's find the best person in each one of these categories. And then put a little over under on them to see, you know, where are they going to end up at the end of the season, and also compare them to a player in the like top five to six or ten in one case. It was a little bit more surprising that they're up at the top <laughs> and see, um, and then put an over under against that player as well. Very programmatic. So I love it. Try to get ten plays together. So number one. Hits as a surrogate for batting average because in many ways hits end up affecting your batting average far more than just having a high batting average. Um, we have Charlie Blackman. When I uh, put together materials for this podcast, he had the most recorded hits of 46 in 127 at bats, looking at a 362 average. That's kind of high, Mike. Yeah. Um, he is on pace for 83 hits, according to the math. Hanser Alberto is number three at 43 hits in 131 at-bats. Baltimore now, Orioles, for those of you that are just tuning into this person's name. <laughs> don't. Who don't care? Um, so, so, two over-unders for you. Number one, is, is either of those, are either of those surprising to you, Michael? I, so... No, I don't. It's not surprising that Charlie Blackman could put together a 360 batting average for 60 games. It, yeah, of when you see it, you're like, okay, Charlie Blackman is number one hits. That makes sense. But, okay, that works and for me. It's also not surprising that someone, not Hans Roberto, but someone could put together a 350 batting average for 30 games. And that's, I think, so, like, if you told me before the season it's going to be Hanser Alberto, I'd be like, uh, probably not. <laughs> but if you told me that, like, somebody surprising was also going to be up there, I would accept that. Hanser Alberto, 
Alberto, a lot of people probably do know him because he's been on the waiver wire and you've looked at him like, uh, do I want to? No, he's on the Orioles. But he has one thing going for him, which is that Baltimore hasn't had, they haven't had an outbreak. Well, they haven't gone against teams that have had an outbreak. They've been pretty lucky that way. So they've just been churning out games. And in many ways, the, um, the COVID world has actually played pretty well for them hitting-wise, because they're doing fine. Which is even more you know? remarkable, because they play in the East, and the East has had like <laughs> some of the worst situations going on. I, I know. Yeah. No, it's uh, They've gotten pretty lucky. Um, okay, so two over-unders. Over-under, 79.5 hits for Charlie in 2020. Over. He's over. Oh. He's on pace for yeah. 83. I slotted it a little bit down because of the COVID concerns. You're going to take over. Yep. Okay. I'll take the under. All this ta- the thing is, is all this takes is like one one series canceled because someone else has COVID or the team having COVID yep. and then I don't know how, how they're going to make it. Make I have it confidence. Out. Let's do it. Now, over under Hanser plus 0.5 hits against charlie under i'm saying over under the number of hits hanser alberto gets plus 0.5 for charlie in 2020 so does charlie blackman have more than 0.5 hits have 0.5 more hits than um hanser alberto in 2020 no i understand i don't think i i think hanser alberto is going to have fewer hits than charlie blackman at the yeah. end of the season so so then you're gonna or the same number or the same number but not more um okay so right so yeah so, so you're saying charlie will have more than 0.5 hits yeah. at the end of the season yep and Char- then i'll about to okay found it hard writing these okay Cool. So, Mike, you're taking you're taking the over. Yep. Um, all right. Runs. Fernando Tatis had the most recorded runs when I ran the numbers: thirty-three and one hundred thirty-nine at bats, on pace for fifty-eight runs. It's like nearly a run a game. <laughs> is yep. is it's awesome. Mike Yastrzemski is number four. At 29 and 129 at bats. Mike Yastrzemski of the uh, San Francisco That's Giants. Right. I, you, seem, you seem like personally offended by this. <laughs> I just not offended, but like, wow. I, I don't see why wow. that's so surprising. He had a breakout last year. Yeah, but not to be the number three, or now he's the number three, number four hit getter. I mean, uh, run getter. That's why I I um, don't find that. I don't find that extremely surprising. He's got the pedigree. <laughs> that that's not even what I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, I just I I don't. I think that he showed enough of a breakout last year. You get guys that play a bunch of games in the West. This is gonna happen. I mean, I think there's something to be said for the fact that both of these guys are in the same division. <laughs> oh, true. 
Um, yeah, but I mean, the Giants have been. Te- I mean, I, I got a couple things. Giants have been terrible. He is thirty years old. Well, yeah. <laughs> making this making this leap after last year, which was I, I'll give it to you, it was a decent year. But it wasn't this, I don't think. And um, Giants are terrible, so I, I just I was pretty surprised that he was he was so far up here. Um, okay, so over under fifty nine point five runs for Tatis in twenty twenty. Is he going to average a run a no, game? Under. Under. Okay, Mike. Under. I'll take the over because he's on fucking. He's, Go for it. He's not even. Not just is he like doing well right now. He is on fire. Okay. Now, over under. Yaz runs plus nine point five. For Tatis in 2020. I now see. I'm going to go the opposite way, and I think this one is over. In that, I think that Yastrzemski is just going to fall off here. Okay. All right. For all of your making the case for Yaz being respectably in this conversation, you think that Tatis will have more than ten? Will have ten runs more than? Yes, I do. I do. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it is wild. Right now, he has um, he has six more runs. Yeah. So as of, I mean, I did this last night. I put these together, and as of this morning, everything counted. Um, Yaz is tied for second in runs. <laughs> I, yeah, it's crazy. RBIs. Here's the proof of concept. That the stats are uh, normalizing. <laughs> Mike Trout has the most mm-hmm. recorded RBIs when I ran the numbers: thirty-two RBI in one hundred seventeen at bats, on pace for fifty-eight. Kyle Tucker is tied for fifth at twenty-nine in one hundred fourteen at bats, a pace of fifty-six. So as I said. You know, we always do this thing of like, is Mike Trout somewhere the best? Because that <laughs> always is like a helpful proof of concept that whatever is modeling thing that we're doing, whatever numbers we're looking at, are are true. And so Mike Trout showing up on the RBIs is like, okay, good, right? This makes sense. What do you think about Kyle Tucker? I think that Kyle Tucker has put together thirty good games. <laughs> He's a name that I was aware of going into the draft. Sure, because... Not for being the number, you know, number five in RBIs. Um, especially when they stopped, uh, when, when they're not going to be able to bang on trash cans. Yeah, I know. But it is surpri- it's, it is very surprising to see him where he's, where he's at. To me, I think this is one. I think this, this is one where it's going to normalize over the course of the season. Like I think that similar to Yaz. Yeah, it's really easy to see Kyle Tucker falling off after this, and you know Mike Trout's in the lead, so good. <laughs> right. Okay. I think he's going to be, and I think in a couple of years he's only twenty three. Yeah. I think in a couple of years you're going to be able to see um, Kyle Tucker really really earn this 
at the same time, this could be, guess the way this is going, this could just be a year where he um, stays in there. Sure. So this is so this is going to be an interesting one on the overruns. All right. So over under fifty nine point five RBI for Trout in twenty twenty. Does he do? Does he get an RBI game? No, I don't think so. Got to go under. Over under, Tucker plus three point five RBIs for Trout in in twenty twenty. So does Mike Trout produce four more or RBIs at the end of the season than Mike Tucker? Kyle Tucker. Um, what did I say? You said Mike Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> Which fits Mike. Everybody should be a Mike. <laughs> uh, this this is a tight one. Um, I I think that I think there's a, I think it's an under. I think Tucker is going to be going to fall off harder than Trout. Oh no no no! Then you say no. Then you're saying the over. Oh yeah, you're saying yep, I am that saying. Trout will get over three point five. Yes, I'm RBIs saying the over on that on one. Tucker. Yes. Okay. Let's do the best one. I like. I. I'm. I'm kind of glad that you took the. I'm kind of glad that you took both of those because I'm. I'm psyched. I think that Mike Trout is going it's to. Same. I think that Mike Trout is going to get to sixty somehow. And I think that. Well, actually, I think that I'm gonna split the difference here. Because I, I see how the way that you've taken it is like protecting. I know I am. Yourself. I'm really hedging my bets. I only need to hit one of these. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because if you because if Mike Trout gets to sixty, then I don't think they, that uh, Mike Tucker or or Kyle Tucker is going to be able to get to fifty-seven RBIs. But if Mike Trout doesn't get to sixty, then it's probably because he's got shut yeah. down and there's a COVID case and. Tucker will get to. 55 I know all of these predictions are insane, but yeah. Anyway, cool. All right, <laughs> Nelson. This took me longer than it should have because I got to this point um, and realized that Nelson Cruz was tied for the most home runs when I ran the numbers. I include him in another one just for you. Uh, you know, having having a twin in there. This seemed like the perfect player to have. So. Nelson Cruz is tied for the most home runs when I ran the numbers. 13 and 117 at-bats on pace for 24. Um, has he already hit in like... No, um, no it's 13 119 at-bats. Matt Chapman. My boy. Matt Chapman is tied for 10th with 10 home runs and 131 at-bats. Um, on pace for 18 home runs. Matt Chapman is not that surprising a name to be top 10 when there's so many players you know it's 13 home runs right. to 10 so we're not talking about that much and matt chapman is a a good above average good player he's not i don't think that even you would say um that he's you know one of the 20 best no 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 players in baseball or no. fantasy he's a, good, he's a solid hitter and that's about He's a solid, he's a solid hitter, hitter on a good team. And he plays all the time. <laughs> and he plays all the yeah. time. He's 131 at bats. And he's not he's not batting first, right. right? Matt Chapman's the kind of guy that I would trade for this year. I like Matt Chapman. Solid guy. Hard to go wrong. I mean, in a in a COVID year, Matt Chapman's the kind of guy you definitely want to have. But Nelson Cruz, still around. 40 years it's, old. I mean, but this is a perfect season for someone who's like 40 years old. It's like... 
just okay we got 60 games just i can do it for 60 games <laughs> i got it for 60 games 60 games and relatively light travel <laughs> like oh i thought you were gonna say steroid well, testing um that too no, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's yeah lighter on the traveling um yeah, but we'll see. Can he do it? Can he keep this up? So over under 23.5 home runs for Cruz in 2020. His on pace is 24. Can he get to that? 23.5 is I I I have to go under because I I think I think it's like I do think it's 22 23. I just don't think he keeps yeah. this exact pace. All right, over under Chapman plus 5.5 home runs for Cruz in 2020. Under does Nelson Cruz Chapman is coming for him (laughs) I think that's that's probably fair I know that you goaded me into that and I don't even care (laughs) well wait I mean you have a win-win here right because if Nelson Cruz gets to 24 right (laughs) I mean you're gonna be pumped for the twins if Matt if Matt Chapman ends up um with 18 and Nelson Cruz is at 23, you're going to be pumped still. Obviously. Um, stolen bases. Jonathan VR had the most stolen bases when I ran the numbers. 9 and 110 at-bats on pace for 19. Four players have one fewer stolen base. Trevor Story, Jose Ramirez, John Berti, and Edelberto Mondesi. I don't even know. I mean, I think that it's probably changed since then drastically. So this one's a little bit different than the other ones, given how close everything is. Still at the same spot. Um, over under 18.5 stolen bases for VR in 2020. Over. Good. <laughs> I'm going to... Good. Uh, over under 3.5 players with more than 88% of VR's 2020 stolen base total. Now here you have to do a little bit of... You'll have to do a little bit of math. I, I, still, think, I still think over. I just think that... If you look at how stolen bases have gone down this year, it's been fits and starts. Like, there yeah. there will be just streaks where guys will get three in a game. <laughs> and, like, things like that happening suggest to me... I mean, that's why John Birdie's on this list, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you only need eight, right? right? exactly. So, so, like, you, you yeah. have one game where you steal two and you're a quarter of the way there already. <laughs> like, so... I, I just think that, that that phenomenon means that a lot of players are going to be bunched up near the top. So, right, so if VR was number one at 19, then you think that there could be four players with 17. Yeah, exactly. Or even if VR is not number one. That was what I was trying to well, go that's, for. Well, I know, like, that's the sneaky even part. At, let's say VR is not number one, he hits 19. How many players have more than seventeen? Could it be four? So you take. I do suspect. I do suspect. I mean, this is unforced error potentially for me, but I do suspect that VR will be number one because the the down the stretch playoff push that you normally have in a long MLB season, where you get kind of some garbage time stolen bases, isn't going to happen this year. Oh, true, true, but. I mean, some of these teams are out. I mean, like, Alberto Mondesi, I bet you, is going to be number one. And he's going to just, like, run the shit out of out I of can bases. see that. If he ever gets on base, he's, he's batting one. He's got to get on base. So if he switches it up and is able to get to 220, I mean, 
That'll be huge. All right, Liam Hendricks. Let's review the Oakland Closer. Love this article. <laughs> Title. Who cares about the article? Yeah. You're absolutely right. Is uh, Liam Hendricks a Cy Young candidate in your book? <laughs> no. No, absolutely not. Wow. But he is is pretty good. Wow, that's, He's an awesome. That's pretty rude. Uh, if he is, that is total news to me. All right, Liam Hendricks is uh, is 31 years old, plays for the Oakland Athletics. He's on a one-year contract, which I actually hadn't, hadn't appreciated. Uh, he's already got 10 saves in 16 games, 16 innings pitched. He's got a 12.67 K per nine, 1.65 walks per nine. Those are pretty good numbers. He's got a 110 ERA, which is pretty solid for a closer even relatively early on in relatively early on in the season when you might expect some bounces and his whip 0.67 lots to like here and i think you probably like his pitch profile as well just knowing you a lot of fastballs yes few sliders rare curve he powers it in yes there. he does oh i didn't realize he debuted for the twins in 2007 he was in the yes, twin system. Oh, that's why you liked him. So many people are in. So many uh, people have gone through the twin system. But yes, continue. <laughs> he was, in fact, born and raised in Perth, Australia. That's a surprising one. Way out west. Um, I like the pitch. I like like the way I like his delivery. I, I it's not knew quite you standard. Would. I knew you would. It's his arms never get that high up. He's just kind of like it's kind of like he starts with his hands together, separates, and then throws. <laughs> <laughs> shoves yeah. it in there yeah there's something wrong with that delivery probably because he played cricket <laughs> it's kind of stunning that he can that he's getting 95 mile an hour 95 plus mile an hour pitches out of what looks to be a pretty wonky like not full arm extended windup. i don't think that he's going to be something that we're going to be talking about in two years i think that he looks interesting really right now that's an interesting i thought. think that i think that even next year he's going to be a top top closer um, I think that he's going to fall off the face of the earth and, and very soon. Do you really? But he's been... He's 31 years old. But he's been solid. This is going to be two years in a row that he's... This is going to be two years in a row that he's going to be elite. Okay. Um, but that's, that's just what closers do, you know? And I think that him especially coming from decent to great to then fall off the face so of the earth. So are you saying this is... At Are you saying this is like a, like a Kimbrel... Chapman, Jansen level, like hit that. And then, you know, where we're seeing those three now, like yeah. no longer elite. They were elite. I think no matter what, yeah. you have that kind of curve with the okay. closer. And some of the better closers end up having a wider, uh, out, you know, a wider number of years that they're, they're amazing. Like Kim, Kimbrell has had a lot of really good years. So whatever he does with the end of his career, whatever. You know, yeah. He had some good years. Uh, Hendrix, if he gets three elite years and then it falls apart, I mean, this sort of happens with closers. They have to be so on and pitch so hard at the end of a game that it's hard for them to keep that yep. up. Uh, but I think that this year he's he's the guy to have. Oh yeah. The, um, I mean, I agreed. You got to trade him away. <laughs> I I agreed you in did. principle at the start of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Is there 
one closer that you'd rather have. No, 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 no. I wouldn't pick any. I wouldn't pick a closer over Hendricks right now. Nope. Yeah. No. He's he is number one. Oh well. I mean, would you take Hater over Hendricks? Uh, um. You gotta ask me again after the trade deadline. I think. I don't. I think that's a. I think it's a okay. hard. You know, it's a hard question to answer right now. Understood. Well, I think that he's looking. He's looking really good. And um, if you have the chance to have him, grab him. I'd even keep him this year. But I don't think that you can expect him to be around in for three That's, four years. I, I find that to be. To I find that to be a really interesting prediction. And I'm. I'm not. I'm not opposed to that idea at all. It's something you just probably haven't really thought about it. Uh, right? No. No, I, I haven't. I honestly had not thought, like, what is it going to look like? <laughs> what is Liam Hendricks going to look like in two years? It's an interesting question. You want to ask me who, who we're going to do next week so we can sure. wrap this up? Who are we going to review next week? I will do Taylor Williams. Look at this. I mean, these these guys that we these guys that we don't know their names are all in, like, the top 15 saves. So yeah, let's do Taylor Williams. Taylor Williams, good to know. His ERA is five point nine three. As I'm looking, he got at this. six saves though. Good for that guy. Nineteen Ks and thirteen point two, Obviously, the the ERA is by far the worst part of his stat package. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see what see what the fuss is. <laughs> Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too.